Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 119, the 15th of October, 2009. Well, hello there, James. Hi, and it's fantastic to see you again. We're actually surprisingly in the same room. In camera, in, they say yes. in some funny language. Yes, but there we go. Indeed. Nice, nice change. Indeed, and uh, good to see you've not put on too much weight, Ian. Yes, all the uh, <laughs> big American hamburgers and uh, fabulous pizza slices. <laughs> Always good. But uh, here we are on the couch where we talk about what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment technology yeah. news. And it's episode 119, is it not? Cracking on, indeed. There we go. Yep. Brilliant. So, um, we're going to talk about a normal mix of stuff. So, it's going to be business news, technology news. Content delivery, mobile, gaming. Well, not so much gaming, but... Less gaming this week, but... Uh, and the yeah. new well, bit of animal abuse section. Gaming for, <laughs> gaming for mice. So gaming for mice, yes. You're at gaming for mice, you'll have to... <clears throat> hold on for that one, everybody. Yep. But uh, do let yep. us know if you don't really appreciate animal abuse stories. Let us know. <laughs> Feedback at allthecouchpodcast.com. It's not deliberate, it's just technology. That's right. So, um, business news. We've got a bit of story here, um, which I guess there's this big debacle going on at the moment in the UK with the BBC. We had uh, a kangaroo, mm-hmm. the death of kangaroo, the rebirth of seesaw, the um, canvas is the canvas new, you know, long live, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think fundamentally the problem here seems to be that Obviously, the BBC doesn't really have to have a revenue. It's got a revenue model, guaranteed. Mm. Everyone pays. Yep. yep. And it's quite difficult for people outside the UK maybe to understand that the BBC, while it is a you know a powerhouse of programming and it mm. enjoys the number one spot, is funded entirely by a protected revenue stream direct from consumers, consumers who yep. have to pay. Yeah. I mean, you can get out of it, but it's, it's yep. not so easy. So it's a bit of a there isn't really a business model. Whereas kind of everyone else who has to play in the UK market space has to make money via advertising yep. or, or pay-per-view or you know yep. subscription services yep. so i think that's probably the main reason why there's a bit of a bust up because essentially it's not a sort of fair playing field no and uh even with bbc's iplayer now being uh, used by bbc world overseas mm. as we were talking about last week uh canvas is meant to encompass a whole bunch of uh stuff not just from bbc but from uh, bt as well and itv yeah, I mean, it's supposed to meet the needs of anyone who wants to deliver content over the open internet. Yeah, onto to, televisions. Onto televisions or yep. any device, presumably. Yep. I mean, it's a bit yep. wider than that. Um, but it does seem to have been up to now pretty much sort of, certainly it's led by BBC. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Sky's up to this point been saying, yeah, it's all a bad thing and you can't get away with this. Mm-hmm. It seems like they've kissed and made up <clears throat> and uh, at least decided that uh, they'll be able to work together in some sense. Not least, which I think Sky's been working on their own plans for being able to deliver premium mm. content over uh, some sort of hybrid DTT IP. Well, they platform. certainly haven't sat back. I mean, this week they announced the um, launch of a music portal in the UK as well. Oh, right, so, cool. you know, Amazon That's can right, do yeah. it, Tesco can do it, Sky can do it. Yep. You know? So, um, looking to offer, I guess, multiplayer services, not, mm. I guess, not just to subscribers, but uh, I don't mm. know how they'll be incentivizing that. I look forward as a subscriber to finding out what they... Well, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful that if... Uh, if Sky joins the fray or um, at least everyone decides on a common method of actually doing this, the, the problem is going to be mm. when 
everyone's doing their own over-the-top delivery. Yeah. And uh, like we've even seen it already with Panasonic and Sony TVs being mm-hmm. able to do over-the-top delivery of the internet. That's cool, but uh, if you don't have a Sony TV, then you can't get the Sony content. If you don't have the Panasonic TV, you can't get the Panasonic content. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, I think, comes down to the rights. And if, you, you know, if you're selling rights for content, mm-hmm. the content owner wants to know the end consumption device. And certainly if it's premium content, I mean, music today is pretty much DRM-free, but video content is pretty much must-have DRM. Yeah. So the content owner wants to know to the consumption point that it's secure. So mm-hmm. there's all sorts of problems there about licensing and making sure it's secure at both ends of the chain and every single device needs maybe different certification, which is a different ball game for consumer device vendors. They don't normally have to certify other than to a standard and there, there aren't standards today. So maybe you know, if Canvas comes out to be a standard, but then it's probably going to have to be so open and compatible mm. that it could end up like a lot of these kind of, you know, let's all get together and do a standard. It'll be late It'll yeah. be like eleven, which is <laughs> yeah, it'll be late. It'll be encumbered. It'll be have to be mm-hmm. all inclusive, like MHP. You could say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Um, so, and while that's going on, people who are proprietary tend to sort of make hay, and in fact, somewhat yeah. deflect or yeah. You know, that's the thing. Do you want something that's right and takes forever and needs a set the box the power of a mainframe? Well, to is right meets the needs of all the players. That's the yeah. That's that's true. Too. That's true. Too. <laughs> What's the definition of right? I mean, we could go on for ages about that, but generally, it looks like you know some of the main opposition here are saying you know maybe in principle it's a good idea, but it's in practice what's what actually happens there. So, hmm. um, interesting. Technology wise, uh, I mm-hmm. stumbled across a, um, a a digital anthropology report. Yeah. Now, what was this about? Did you have a chance to take the quiz? No, no, I didn't. Uh, we'll have a look in the show notes. The link may appear there. Um, basically, Talk Talk, who's one of the, I think they came to, they were a mobile phone reseller. I think they're now owned by uh, Best Carphone, Buy or Carphone Warehouse. Carphone Warehouse, which is part of I think Best Buy or Circuit City, not Circuit right. City, but one of the US chains kind of bought into them. Um, so they're a broadband mobile and TV operator in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a, one of these studies of the UK market to find out how technology adoption has gone through, and they've come up with six tribes and you can download the PDF from the website um, varying from kind of technology timid to digital extrovert I think oh, which end of the spectrum are you James well I did a little quiz I'm on the digital extrovert <laughs> phase which I'm pleased if I came out as technology timid and I was talking on a, my own podcast <laughs> blog that would be a little sad it would be sad but you know I'm sure you could then subdivide <clears throat> the tribes there so and I'm sure most of our listeners are on the digital extrovert side as well mm-hmm. you know if you're mm-hmm. you know, if you blog or you tweet or you whatever mm-hmm. um but it's quite interesting to read that and see, uh, and they're making some projections there about how the population might sort of further fragment mm-hmm. or divide or, or merge. Someone might go from you know, upper tribe to, mm-hmm. to tend towards digital extrovert. But there's always going to be those people at the other end of the spectrum mm. who really are not comfortable with the internet and would rather write letters or, yeah. whether, or they just don't have access to the internet. That's the other side of things. Yeah. So, but it's interesting to kind of take a step back and look at the rest of the world and see not everyone's like you. Well, it's true. I was at, uh, at the Motorola uh, VN Networks user group conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the sessions, the, the speaker said, look, let's just establish something from the start. Can everyone in the room put their mm-hmm. hand up if they travel more than eight times a year? Mm-hmm. And pretty much everyone put their hand up. Yeah. And he said, right, and uh, put your hand up if you have a DVR, and pretty much everyone put their hand yeah. up. Right. Well, the average American travels twice per year. 
Uh, and the <laughs> to them all. <laughs> Sorry, and, Americans. Uh, and uh, and there's uh, we know the DVR penetration is about thirty five percent. Yeah. Uh, so his point you are was not that, normal. Is it? <laughs> yeah. So the point was that uh, people in that particular technology. Um, mm. What are they called? Group tribe? Is that what they're called? Tribe, tribe yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not necessarily typical of the population as a whole. So I guess that was the point they were trying to make. So That's true. But yeah, obviously, most of the media, digital media delivery markets are aimed at mass market. So they're mm. trying to span mm. the whole Absolutely. Tribe, so which is tricky, especially if you're going for a uh, streaming delivery over the mm. internet. That's not going to hit the, the plain old broadcast tribes, is it? So yep. We'll see. Now, um, other technology story, um, the biggest... Is it a joke? Mistake? Mystery? This is, um, <laughs> someone asked a very pertinent question to the, um, uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who, um, created the World Wide Web, or at least the idea of it, uh, and was asking why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, is it HTTP colon slash, in fact, forward slash. slash forward slash, and why do people yeah. call it backslash, and why is it there at all? Mm-hmm. Um, he's come up with the remarkable answer of, hmm, he says, <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he knows no one can... What did he say, in fact? He just said, well, there was no real reason. <laughs> it wasn't, right. didn't have to be there. Um, and a lot of people... Are, is, is there a special sort of medical affliction for people who've never used that finger to type the backslash? I think, I think so. where it is on the keyboard. If you try position, and it? listeners, sit here now with your eyes shut and try and imagine which finger does the backslash backslash when you type HTTP. It's one of those, it's probably about the only time, unless you're a, a coder, that you're going to be typing that. <laughs> and everyone does it on a fairly regular basis. Mm. Although a lot of browsers now, I know Safari on the Mac, you don't, you don't even have to type in the www most of the time. But, uh, I think even the www bit is pretty much um, redundant. So when, when, uh, when I was helping out with an ISP in, uh, in Australia, many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we actually tried experimenting with uh, setting all the URLs to be web as in web dot yeah. and the, the address as well as www to see if that would have you know be at least easier to pronounce than www finger strain yeah that too uh, it had no effect whatsoever <laughs> we failed this morning in our you know, conquest of changing the way people use the web but it's funny how these things start off that way and end up yeah. exactly the same way I think <laughs> didn't didn't gopher you know remember, do you remember gopher like the, the yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah wasn't didn't they have like gopher colon and then slashes as well? Probably well, like I mean that's a general like FTP colon or gopher or telnet mm. colon. I mean it just depends on the browser really, but mm. yeah, there's always some. Why is it colon backslash backslash or forward slash? Um, I don't know. No, no good reason. Could we change it? It seemed like a good idea at the time. That was about all these. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, other kind of, I don't know if this is technology or business news, Ian, what do you reckon? I mean, yeah, probably more business. The rise and fall of Juiced. Um, mm. It seems like our podcast has been going longer than Juiced. Well, that's good for our podcast, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Let's go. Um, uh, it's very sad. So, Juiced has gone bang. And to be fair, this is only the UK arm of Juiced, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know how much of it is left anywhere else, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it said it was going to focus, I mean, it was going to focus on business, business, business white labeling, which we talked about um, a few episodes yeah. ago. But uh, now it's decided that... Um, and I've just been at a music. streaming media conference here in London and uh, mm-hmm. Juiced weren't there. Mm, <laughs> so I guess it's like, if they're doing what that kind of What about Babelgum, were they there? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was many technology providers, but yeah. Um, bye-bye Juiced. Yeah. No Juiced around. Um, and content delivery-wise, um, well, I heard some other people talking about this. This is the CEO of uh, Netflix, um, 
chap called Reed Hastings was mm-hmm. saying that um, I think they've got like 12 million subscribers today and he was anticipating that and most of those people today are getting DVDs sent through the post. Mm-hmm. But the, I guess the, uh, the growth of streaming means mm-hmm. that um, streaming will eclipse DVD rentals mm-hmm. in a couple of years' time. So mm-hmm. in the same way that, I guess, their business came about because DVHS died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, and he's, I don't think he's saying that it's not going to happen. You know, they're not going to, DVD isn't dead. It's going to live for mm-hmm. a good 10 years. Um, and what's interesting here is that we're not seeing Blu-ray as a successor to DVD. We're seeing streaming as a successor to DVD. Yeah, I mean, that's still... I mean, Blu-ray, Blu-ray is... I mean, I'm going to be watching a Blu-ray tonight. It's certainly better than a 720p streaming file. Okay. Um, I still think as a... Again, if you look at the spectrum of digital media delivery, mm-hmm. it's still quicker to get your, you know, 50 gigabytes through the post. Yeah, that's true. And will be for some time. That's true. Um, I, I'm not convinced about all the stuff about all the extras and things on a Blu-ray would make it mm. better. Certainly, I haven't seen any, you know, stunning implementations of uh, Blu-ray which would make it better. But um, just it, it's interesting that that will work. I mean, DVDs in the mail. Um, I think also there are. Uh, did you see any of these red box machines? Red box vending no. machines. You know, the Seriously. dollar. No. no. You need to get out more. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll wait and see if if that uh, you know if that actually happens. Um, well, I mean, I think it. I don't know. There's actually much it, if it's particularly cheaper for um, for Netflix really to do streaming um, because DVDs basically cost nothing these days. The post isn't going to cost very much. Well, but the post is going to go up, isn't it? As as more. I mean, the, we know in the UK, for instance, the postal mm-hmm. service is a you know basically it's a it's a pension fund with a postal problem. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of a. <laughs> Which is, I've heard, I've heard a lot of large, I've heard like British Airways referred to sort of a, pen, <laughs> a pension fund that happens to fly planes. You know, that's the, uh, a, a lot of, you know, that's one of the challenges in, mm. in business today. Mm-hmm. Um, so postal services, well, uh, are going to, as people send less mail, mm. the cost of delivery is going to go up. So, I mean, it's a, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and people get lazy as well. Yes. You know, especially if Netflix is also available on lots of different machines as well. It's not just... Mm. Mm. Not just to the the PC, other devices, Blu-ray players have yeah. got a built-in. I mean, it seems a bit weird. Netflix on a Blu-ray player? It's like, well, you know. Mm. Well, I think, um, <laughs> the, I mean, my kind of catchphrase with consumers is that convenience always wins. So if you can get the technology working with streaming and you can choose something now and watch it now, yeah. as opposed to having to wait a couple of days, then, uh, then it's going to win. The trick there, of course, is making streaming working effectively but, over an open internet is not easy. But do you put that into practice in your own media consumption life? Uh, well, I... Do you watch a lot of Hulu in the States? Were you, uh, I, I keep meaning to do that and <laughs> keep forgetting. But um, I do actually... Looks a bit weird in a bar with a beer in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but more, more likely, I'm actually likely to get onto iTunes at the airport before a flight and yeah. download a movie before the flight. Right. And... I'm, for some reason, I don't know why it is, I'm less likely to go to a DVD store at the airport and buy a movie to watch. I'll, I don't know, there's some sort of concept there. Of, Although it's probably the same price. Probably the same price, and it's probably quicker, actually. Than yeah, actually well, I mean, downloaded. I guess it might be region-coded. That's the other thing, whereas, yeah, you know... True. That's true. Um, yeah, restrictions anyway. like that. So, so um... Da-da-da-da. You had an article here. Oh, did I? What's the yeah, one I said? Oh, yes, this is, um... I guess it's kind of like old media goes newish. 
Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. It's very new media, but the delivery is very old media. (laughs) Yes. And this is um, a couple of guys in Berlin who have started to put together a kind of personalized newspaper. And not in the way that you think about. I mean, when I first read this, I thought, oh, is this like a NetVibes or an iGoogle Mm. or a MyYahoo kind of thing? But they're actually making a a paper called New, N-I-I-U, in carries English and German stuff, and it's just in. It's aimed primarily at students, but typically, it's. Um, <clears throat> I think people who are the young people are tired of crawling the internet for news and would pay for personalised, tailored news service that you would offer. And feedback has shown that people prefer to read from paper. Although I'm sure mm-hmm. if they had an accessible e-reader, that mm-hmm. would probably work. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so they, they're aiming to get this is a startup, I might add, to have five thousand people in the next six months who are going to pay. Um, one euro twenty, uh, or one eighty on Fridays. Apparently, I guess it's only Monday to Friday. They're going to do this, mm-hmm. and basically, it's going to be like a uh, clipping service. And I guess presumably that you're going to choose what you're interested in from a some kind of yeah. Whether you want sport, there's, or there's not much more information in. But I guess you're going to choose which topics you're interested in. Mm-hmm. They will then clip them together and create a physical paper. Create a physical that paper, is. and they'll deliver it to you in the morning. Somehow. And it's like a copy of the Times without all the articles you wouldn't normally read anyway, somehow. Maybe. Um, good luck to them. 16 pages. Um, eight pages on a busy Monday, but 60 pages on a Friday when there's more time to read. Fantastic. I'm not sure how, but I mean, good luck to them. But I suppose... I think it's great. I think... Uh, I mean, that's why people listen to our podcast, Ian, I would hope, that they're trying to learn something new. They don't have time to trawl through and find all these weird and wacky stories. <laughs> that's right. Um, so so it's a nice, concise them. way when you're commuting, you're multitasking, mm-hmm. but... The reading thing here, maybe it fits. I mean, Berlin, there's a lot of people cycling around or going in public transport, so maybe it makes sense, but we'll see. Maybe we'll, uh, we won't hear about them again, but there we go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> worth a look. So, mobile, things keep moving on on the old... Uh, mm. And uh, we've got an article here from the BBC who, uh, the take on this article is that uh, people's insatiable appetite for social media is driving the smartphone market. Uh, and I'd certainly say that's true in terms of the advertisements I've seen for some of the uh, three um, new mobile phones that are coming out. They're actually branded Facebook phones. Yeah, instant Facebook, instant tweeting, yep. instant uh, YouTube. Yep, the ads for the new Nokia phone are all about having Facebook there. And the, there's some quite clever ads on um, uh, on the tube, actually, the, the, the kind of video ads. Right. And they've got a picture of the Nokia phone and the screen. Sure. Uh, the actual TV screen looks like the screen of the okay. phone, except a big one, obviously. And there's articles there. There's news articles that are obviously current to the day. So you're right. going down an escalator and there's this mm-hmm. phone with today's news articles there. It's like, oh, wow, it really is current. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> so the actual- I must go and buy one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. I uh, guess, I mean, you, you had your Skype phone and that was the first, you know, mm. Skype phone was, oh, this mm. phone is direct for Skype. And I guess yep. these other phones, they must have almost dedicated buttons for yeah, like each of the services. Yep. Um, uh, so we've but, got, uh, I mean, have you been, I, I quite like looking at the Google Latitude thing to see where, where in the world Ian is. <laughs> That's right. <coughs> and uh, It's good fun. Yeah, it does eat the batteries, but um, I can imagine that would be quite a good, I guess knowing where people are, proximity services, mm-hmm. these kinds of things would be quite, quite cool. cool. But we're still waiting to have more of the augmented reality stuff popping out on, on the phones. And I think that's probably going to be happening mm. in, probably, I don't know, in time for Christmas or... That's yeah, pretty cool. So we've got the new version of the BlackBerry Storm, Storm Two coming out. Which Didn't is, they have uh, called it like a you know hurricane or something? You know? <laughs> yeah, it carried on the same thing. I must yeah. know, I met someone who had one of those um, 
the BlackBerry, the touchscreen is that the, that was the Storm? Yeah, it's the Storm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they just said it sounds like a great idea until you use it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just rubbish because well, you actually have to press. So it, It's physically pressing, yeah, yeah. So, which it's, is, like, it's like the Macintosh uh, mouse pads. You actually have to phys- physically press them down. Yeah. And the new one's coming out on that. We'll see what that's like. Um, I quite like my BlackBerry because it can actually run multiple applications at the same time. Unlike mm. the iPhone where you've got to kind of quit one and then... How about the other? You can well, unless you have a jailbroken one. Uh, can you run absolute? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you can do it. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's possible to do it. But even yeah. on the BlackBerry, I suppose you can, but it's a matter of just have to sort of quit, not close, and that kind of stuff. But it uh, depends what they're doing. But so, Palm Pre, did you see any Palm Pre's touting yeah, around? Yeah, um, one of our engineers in the States has a Palm Pre, and you look at the interface, and it's very nice. It's very mm-hmm. slick. It's, it's surprisingly Apple-ish, you know, the yeah. kind of thing, well, kind of expectations yeah. you have for the Apple is, is uh, it's different, but it's kind of realised... And uh, I think I did see someone with one of those watch phones. Oh, you did? Yeah. Really? Was it cool? They were just asleep on the train. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> <coughs> was um, it kind of chunky? Was it thick? It did look... I mean, that's a, I presume that's what it was because it was quite an obscenely big oh, right. phone. <laughs> but I obviously had no mates and all phoned him up. Um, and I didn't see because uh, the Bluetooth headset didn't have that on the side. Or maybe you did. Maybe that's what made me think it was a bit weird. But anyway, uh, I, so I, Palm Pre's out. Yeah. The UK is catching up. We've got Palm Pre. We've got Kindles. Mm. It's all good. We've got everything. Fantastic. We are not in the doldrums. Nope. Um, Right. Now, in the tradition of what animal can we abuse on the podcast next? (laughs) Rabbits last week. Yep. Um, This time, Ian has found out uh, about mice playing Quake. Now, Now, you would have thought that mice don't want to play Quake, but uh, when you... (laughs) When they're held in a vice with a probe (laughs) in their brain and rewarded rewarded with water... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they love it. They say How do they people love get it? away with doing this? <laughs> well, so what, this what's this famous. all about? What, I mean, well, what they're really trying to do is understand how brains work, um, which is a good thing because we don't really understand much about how our brains work. And at Princeton University, a neuroscientist by the name of David Tank, uh, who's just co-authored a study in uh, Nature magazine, has said that the information in the nervous system is contained in the activity of individual neurons. And this experiment allows them to uh, basically track individual neurons and see what they're uh, see what they're doing in animals when they're when they're uh, faced with challenging tasks so what they did is they uh, it's <laughs> like a virtual reality <laughs> environment for a real for a ma- yeah. I mean, this is kind of close to that thing in you know in star trek where they go into the um like the hollow deck yeah, it's yeah, a bit yeah. like a hollow deck yeah, but for this would a be mouse cool if it was in if it was for well not if they did the same thing to humans but if they had the same anyway so just you have to see the video to kind of understand it but essentially the mouse is on a big kind of globe, I guess. Well, it's a floating polystyrene ball. Yeah. and um, Which is like, a, think of it like a big mouse ball. So whenever the mouse yeah. moves, the, ball the mouse moves. moves. Underneath <laughs> the ball. So he, he feels like he's running hard. It's a real mouse driving an optical mouse. Yeah, essentially. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> and then projected around the mouse is, is a, um, a version of Quake. And the mouse wears a little metal helmet <laughs> with probes in it. <laughs> With probes stuck into his hippocampus to see what's happening. Yeah. And then he's Uh, playing Quake. And he's playing, well, he's playing a maze that they created in Quake. So you can kind of see the obstacles and he has to move around them. So obviously Mm. he's moving around on this ball to, to, um. But there's no bad guys. No, I don't think there's any bad guys. (laughs) So from, the, so from the people of And don't worry, the mouse, the mouse is not brain. given a machine gun. So, uh, <laughs> to get back at the experience. But it is weird. I mean, Tank's team found that the individual neurons fired in staccato bursts of varying intensity. There we go. Interesting. So, lucky or unlucky mouse. <laughs> um, uh, well, the next thing is uh, see also 
blowflies get virtual reality in flight simulator. <laughs> so all manner Everyone's of uh, trying it. Early. That is bizarre. So next week maybe we'll get the flies. <laughs> we'll see what the flies are doing. Flies are doing virtual reality. Well, I guess flies are easy. Maybe they've only got a few brain cells to. Um, they don't have too many. I don't study. think. Mm. But uh, yes. I mean, I, I did actually, I was excited when I saw the, the headline of the article. So it was scientists scan the brains of mice playing Quake. And I thought they were somehow looking into the brains of the mice and, and making decisions based on what they were thinking or feeling. Yeah. Um, but it's not in, not in the case of actually understanding. And I was naively hoping it might have been a non-invasive method. <laughs> well, no, it's not. <clears throat> in the big list of invasive methods, this is kind of... Uh, I guess normally because in humans they measure with a uh, sort of... Um, MRI machines, but obviously MRI machines are mm. enormous with enormous magnets and you can't really yep. strap an MRI machine onto someone whilst they're walking. I suppose you could put a virtual reality <laughs> headset on. Yeah, the trouble they, there on MRI machines are massive magnets, so you can't put anything metallic in there at all. Yep, and also <clears> uh, they, uh, you have to keep very, 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 very still and they're, they're pretty slow in terms of their being able to find mm-hmm. out what's happening in the brain. So, Well, we shall see. Yeah. Um, have you ever had an MRI? No, have you? No, no, I haven't. My wife's had a few. Hmm. Um, but she didn't describe it as being particularly pleasant. <laughs> <coughs> but I think they're, all, they're making them, I heard they're making them better with the magnets are getting stronger. And they can right. make magnets, magnets are quite clever things, really. I mean, they can make really, really, really strong magnets. Hmm. And then the stronger they are, then you can have a more wide open space. You can just go in. Because it's all about aligning all the, um, the water molecules in your body against the same magnetic field. Oh, really? And then I thought you know, they injected you with something and they could pick up the stuff they injected. No, no, you don't need to. Do that. You just, oh, really? So you just measure the resonance of your. Wow. You know, cool. Spooky. Beautiful. <coughs> Very cool. cool. Indeedy. So that kind of it's almost well, it does kind of wrap us up. It, it does wrap us up for on the couch one one nine. If you have any feedback on any of our articles or anything you'd like, say yeah. this feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. And we do appreciate all of that. And uh, if you've got any problems downloading, let us know. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas, for letting us know that we had a bit of an issue before. And uh, we shall look forward to having you wrapping your ears around us in On The Couch Podcast 120 next week. 119? This is 119? Oh, it's yeah. 120 next week. Yeah. Oh. Almost <laughs> triple digits. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> bye All from right. me, James. And bye from Ian. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>